for today. So it's, it's an honor, and um, I thank you for that. But uh, it's interesting. Um, Chris had asked me, Pastor Chris had asked me if I would be willing to to share today a few weeks ago, and I decided I wanted to share on heaven. And I figured Chris was going to be doing his Christmas messages, so it was very unlikely that uh, he'd be sharing on heaven because, you know, it's Christmas. We're talking about Jesus coming down. And so I walked into his office and said, I think I'm sharing on heaven. And as I said that, I looked up and he's got his heaven message ready to go. And I thought, well, maybe I should do something else. And then the Lord just said, no, I think we can talk about heaven two weeks. It's a good place. It's eternity, right? There's enough, there's enough material there to, to do a twofer, right? So this is heaven part two, all right? A double dose, a double scoop of the goodness. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And so um, what I'd like to do is just begin. We sang earlier, I can only imagine. And the truth of the matter is, that's all we can do. Heaven is so, it's beyond words. And people have a lot of different ideas about heaven. So I'd like to share just a short video of a man on the street image or ideas that they have about heaven. Okay, here's, here's my question. What do you think heaven will be like? Hmm, a little better than this. A little better than this? Okay. Quakes. been <laughs> a little better weather. All right. <laughs> Are you looking forward to going there? No. No? Why not? I don't feel like dying. Don't feel like dying. Okay, gotcha. What about when the time comes and you are ready to die? Uh, I'll never be ready. Never be ready to die. What about, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Do you, do you believe in a hell? No. What do you think heaven will be like? I think heaven will be um, a state of perfection, a state of happiness, and um, a beautiful, fulfilling place where you'll eventually meet up with your family, friends, and loved ones who have already passed on. So are you looking forward to going there one day? Yes, one day, yeah. So your whole family, everybody? Well, the people that have passed before us, I think, will meet up there and, and meet us when we arrive. Everybody? Yeah. What do you think heaven will be like? Non-existent. Okay, good. Okay, what, what makes you think that? Uh, basic belief that after death, lights out. Anyways, okay, what do you think heaven will be like? <laughs> I think heaven will be great, even though I believe in reincarnation, but I believe heaven will just be wonderful and everything you want it to be. I think uh, heaven will be... Uh, First of all, there's no, not going to be any devil there, and Jesus is going to be there all the time, and you're not going to have to worry about anything, which I don't worry about it too much now, but you still get pressures down here. Up there, you're not going to have any pressures, and you're going to have a mansion, and walk on streets of gold. You looking forward to going there one day? I'm ready to go anytime. What do you think heaven will be like? White and fluffy. White and fluffy. What, what makes you say that? I 
because I fly a lot in planes, and I, I, when I go up into the air, I see this is where I'm, the, I'm in God's territory when I fly, so that's what I usually say. So do you think it's going to be a good place? It's going to be a good place. Are you looking forward to going one day? Yeah. If you were to go tomorrow, would you go? Yes. Okay, awesome. If it was your choice. Do you believe in hell? Uh, no. So what do you think heaven will be like? There is no heaven. There is no heaven. Is there a hell? Nope. What happens after you die? Nothing. Nothing. You just cease to exist. What do you think heaven will be like? I don't believe in heaven. Okay, why don't you believe in heaven? Because I don't believe in God. Okay, what, do you, what do you believe happens after a person dies? I don't know. I wish I did know. Okay, okay cool. What okay, what, what about you? What do you think heaven will be like? I think, like, I don't believe in heaven either, but after you die, I think it'll be a big party. A big party? <laughs> big party where? Like, where would it be, though? Who knows? I guess peaceful. Yeah. All right, what makes you think that? Because uh, it's, it's what the Word of God says. Right. So you've been taught the Word of God in the Christian perspective of heaven? Yes, sir. Are you looking forward to going there? Oh, yeah, definitely. If you could go there tomorrow, would you go? I believe so. Yeah. So why all the different images of heaven? There were a lot of interesting comments, weren't there? Um, nothingness. Pretty confident. There's no heaven. That's it. We die, lights out. A lot of people feel that way. Oh, back to the, we're not quite done there on that one. Our second little picture there, we've got the party in heaven. It's interesting, they didn't believe in God, but they definitely want the party. <laughs> they would like the creation, they would like the blessing, but they certainly don't want the creator or the blesser. And unfortunately, I think that that's kind of the way a lot of us are in this world. We would like the goodness of God, but we don't want to pay him honor or bow our knee or surrender or submit to him. We just want all the good things that come with it. You notice in the bottom we've got our old views, you know, sitting on the clouds, playing our harps with our little, little halos on. And I don't know if you recognize Mr. Bean. Do any of you know Mr. Bean? Yeah, I love this video. He's falling asleep in church. And uh, Chris had mentioned a couple of weeks ago about this idea of eternity in this church service with the pastor going on and on, you know, just praising God for all eternity. You know, stand up and turn in your hymnals to page four million, and we're going to sing Amazing Grace this time in Swahili. Okay, let's go. Um, we're going to praise the Lord in heaven. We're going to love him. We're going to have the best worship service you've ever had. But I don't think it's going to be quite like that image. And so um, the worst thing I think could, that could ever be said about heaven or about God is that it's going to be boring. I've heard people say, I don't want to go to heaven. It's just boring. My white robe, no change of clothes, just clouds. I watched this video on a website called The Friendly Atheist. And it was 10 reasons why you don't want to go to heaven, if there even was one. And one of the main reasons were, was that you'd be hanging out with a bunch of stupid people that don't have anything interesting to say, and who wants to spend eternity with them? And I think that's the mo one of the most damnable lies about God ever, is that he's boring. In his spare time, he breathes universes into existence. He puts life within us. He, we have our being in him. Every joy, everything that stimulates the mind or the heart started in God's laboratory 
that he wanted to bestow on us. And yet the devil, our enemy, wants to tell us that this is the show, that everything else is just a pale mist of nothingness. Isaac Asimov said, whatever the tortures of hell, the boredom of heaven would be even worse. It's very sad because the, the truth of the matter is we haven't even started living yet. We haven't come home yet. And many of us are trepidatious about what the next life may be. And I just want to tell you, I don't know what it's going to be like, but it's going to be exponentially more than our greatest joy that we've had here. Now, we've talked about glimpses of heaven. It was really neat a couple weeks ago when Pastor Chris was talking about the near-death experiences. And we know, even from the Bible, that Paul had a, after he was stoned in Lystra, he had an out-of-body experience where he was taken to the third heaven and he saw things. We know from the book of Revelation that the apostle John was taken into heaven. So we know that there have been people, even in our congregation, that have had a glimpse of heaven. But what I want to say for all of the joy and all the expectation that that brings, I don't think it scratches the surface. I don't think it comes close to the reality that we're going to perceive. And I think one of the reasons is that we really don't have a clue what heaven's going to be like. We may have had a, a whiff of it, a glimpse of it, a flash of it, but the scripture itself says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no one's heart has imagined the things that God has prepared for those who love him. We don't have a clue. Paul, talking about himself, I believe in this case, says, I was caught up into paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words, things that no human is allowed to tell. Why is this? Why is it impossible for us to imagine heaven? Well, I think one thing we have to remember is that we are bound on this earth. We are bound in time. God is an eternal God. We are bound in three dimensions. We've got width, depth, and height. That's it. Try to imagine the fourth dimension. What does it look like? Can you imagine it? Can you imagine a color that you've never seen? Can you imagine a taste that you've never tasted? We can't do it. You know, scientists currently believe that there could be as many as 26 dimensions to make our universe work. And we are bound in three dimensions. Heaven is going to be something we can't imagine. So as much as we sing, I can only imagine, that's all we can do, and I promise you, it's not, we're, we're off. It's more and it's bigger. And I think it's something like this. Oh, not something like that. <laughs> I think that one of the reasons that we have descriptions in heaven that we can relate to, things like streets of gold, things like a river of glass. There may be literal streets of gold. There may be a literal pearly gate. There may be a literal uh, river of glass. But I really, truly think it's more metaphorical. I think that God uses language that we can relate to in our three dimensions, in the colors that we know. I think it's very much like trying to describe color to someone who's blind. Maybe something like this. 
Okay, I think I understand. Hold on, hold on. Okay, put those down. This is red. Ah! Oh, oh. oh so when my God, it cools it's red. Down, when it cools down, it'll be pink. Rocky, I understand. Okay, hold on a second. This is yellow. We can see the joy and realization on her face. And she says, I think I understand. Does she understand? Does she really? She has a sense, because she has senses to imagine something that she can't perceive of. And I think that that's very much the case for us. God speaks to our experience, and he speaks to what we know to give us symbols and types and shadows. It's like describing a face by the silhouette on a wall. But let's not limit our expectations of heaven based on our finite and bound experience. Because there will be a moment when we stand in his presence, when the Shekinah glory is all around us, when we're no longer bound by this world, when we will truly see that which we could never have imagined. And I think that might be something like this. Recording, welcome. First, First hearing aid. Are you ready? No. <laughs> okay. This is the, the big this moment here. Moment. She's gonna hear something. We don't really know what. I'm gonna roll this on and I'm gonna push it even just a little bit. There you go. So now technically your device is on. <laughs> Can you tell? You hear it. Yeah. Oh. Hey, I sound. You're hearing yourself better. Okay, you can try. That's okay. Hi, Cooper. <gasps> Hi, Cooper. <laughs> I know I look like an elderly munchkin, but do I sound like one now? <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
sounds clear. One day we're going to see clearly for the first time ever. And we don't know what that's like. But just as these people were created to have that experience, we were created to have that heavenly communion with God. It's not harps and it's not clouds and it's not a little party without God there. It is who we were always meant to be and the experience we're always meant to have. And not only will we have the new, but guess what? There's something old that's gone. In Romans 7, Paul talks about the challenge that he had. The thing I want to do, I don't do. And the thing that I do, I don't want to do. And who will rescue me from this body of death? We're born again. We know the Lord. We're set free. The Holy Spirit lives within us. But how many of you still struggle? Am I the only one? My eyes are open and I struggle. And that's before I run into you all, okay? <laughs> not, not any of you in particular. I just mean life is a struggle. Life is a burden. Life has pain. The same world that put six million Jews in a gas chamber, we live in that same world. We live in a world where fetuses are destroyed in the womb before they have life. We live in a world where 60,000 people die of drug addiction every single year. More than died in the Vietnam War. We live in a world where Christians are beheaded for their faith and children put up on crosses. We live in a world with traffic. We live in a world with spouses. We live in a world that is painful. And not only that, we have the voice of the enemy talking to us, telling us we're not good telling us we won't make it, telling us God's not good. When we get into heaven, that's gone. There are no more fiery darts. There are no more lies from the enemy. There's no more evil. We don't know what that feels like. We have no idea that moment of free. Truly, truly free in the sense that only the Savior can set us free. We don't know that here. As much of an overcomer as we are, we are still in Satan's kingdom. He's the God of this world, and we're in a battle, and we're fighting every single day. And the closer we get to God, the more the enemy's after us. So if you're being pushed and harassed, if you're getting up and your body's not working the way you want it to, or you're having pain, or you see the decline, or you see people lost, know that that is only in this finite, bound, three-dimensional world, and you have eternity 
face to face with Jesus. Now, heaven's also an interesting place because it's a place of reward, but also judgment. Now, I want to be clear. We're not up there for a criminal trial. Now, there are two judgments that we see in heaven. One is the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat. When you open your eyes in eternity and you see Jesus sitting on a Bema seat, that's good, okay? We don't mind that. <coughs> now, if you open your eyes and you see a big white throne, that's not good. We're not going to talk about that today, but it's worth talking about because we have two choices. There are two judgments. One is a judgment for the believer, and that's what we're going to talk about today. But there is another judgment. That's the one we don't want. That's the one we don't want people out there to have either. You know, I, one thing I think about often with this opportunity to meet with Christ is, um, reminds me of my graduation. You know, my whole goal in high school was basically to finish. It was four years of time served. And I was more focused on my friends, my sports, my job, other things. And I just wanted to get my diploma. And I go to the graduation thinking that I had completed the mission, and suddenly people are walking across the stage and getting awards, scholarships, medals, internships. I know one young lady who got a full ride to the uh, Naval Academy. She got to spend the summer on a regatta traveling around the world and got to go to the 100-year anniversary of the Statue of Liberty fireworks celebration. And I'm thinking, wait a minute here. What, what did I miss? You mean there was more than just this piece of paper? There's actually, I could, I just, four years, I did, I, and I could have, I don't want to go to heaven and just get in. When we get to heaven, our life is going to be reviewed. And there will be rewards basing, based on how we live it. Now, the good news it talks about the fact that we look at our foundation of our life. We see this in 1 Corinthians. And we look at our works. Gold, silver, costly stones, wayhood and straw. We'll talk about that in a minute. All of our works will be viewed and we will get a reward for all those precious jewels and stones. Let's go to the next slide. In fact, we look at Jesus' parables of the minas. Jesus actually said, well done, good servant. I give you charge of five cities. I give you charge of ten cities. Heaven is not going to be boring. We're going to have work to do. Heaven is a busy place. And what you do on this earth is going to determine what you're going to be doing there. I still remember my mom had this dream. It's an interesting dream. It kind of relates to this. She had this dream that it was the rapture or the going to heaven or the judgment day and this big limousine pulls up to the front yard. And my mom and dad walk out there with their little heaven bags, you know. And an angel opens the door for my dad, and he sits in the, in the limousine. And my mom goes to step in, and the angel says, no, 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 the bus will be by for you later. You know, heaven is not going to be the same for everybody. Not everyone is going to have the same rewards, the same responsibilities. Not everyone is going to have the same honor in heaven, the same eternal responsibilities. There are various levels and various gifts and rewards. And so it's what we do now that determines that. We're also going to reign with Jesus in eternity. 
We're going to judge the nations. We're not sitting on clouds and playing harps. We are busy people. But there's a flip side to this. It mentions in the next scripture that if what has been built survives. Now, this is the people that come with the precious jewels and also the hay, wood, and stubble. Well, if all you have is hay, wood, and stubble, it's burned up. And the builder will suffer loss. Yet, he will be saved. Even though only as one escaping the flames. There are people who will enter eternity as if they have crashed on the runways of heaven, smelling a bit like smoke. And those people have very little reward, in fact, just loss. I don't know that they're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, because they took their salvation and they put it in a box and they live for themselves. And I will tell you as someone who has only recently begun to surrender and submit to the Lord, that I'm going to have a whole lot of hay, wood, and stubble. One of the questions that I'm posing for the home teams is, if Jesus could come back today and give you the option of going to heaven with him right this moment, or 10 years from now, which would you choose and why? That's a little teaser. You can think about that before your home teams. I don't know what I would answer. Because at this point, I spent 40-plus years with a hay, wood, and stubble factory going on. I imagine sitting at the judgment seat of Christ with these bulldozers pushing these piles of hay, wood, and stubble. And I just see myself glinting and looking for something shiny in there because I'm very concerned about my life and how it was. Now, I don't know what the Bema seat of Christ is really going to look like. It does talk about that every idle word that we speak will be made known in heaven. Now, I don't know if I'm sitting with Jesus, just he and I, you know, like savior, client, privilege or something where it's just us. Or I don't know if I'm going to be dragged out in the celestial stadium and I get to sit down with all y'all watching on the big screens as we do This Is Your Life. Did anybody ever watch that old show, This Is Your Life? Okay. Well, we know our life is reviewed. And you know, like you hear the little voice behind the stage. I met you in December 2005. It's Police Officer McCruskey. Oh, yes, um, I remember that. I'm glad to see you again in better circumstances than that was. Those of you that heard my men's talk may know a little bit about that, what that was. I don't really know that I want all of my dirty laundry hanging in heaven. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if it's all covered in the blood. But all I can say is, for this moment however many years I have left, I want to be cranking out those precious jewels. I want to be cranking out those little bars of gold. And I want to minimize as much as possible the hay, wood, and the stubble. Because I am on a mission for heaven. We don't live our lives for now. It is about eternity. I met a woman over playing pickleball. How many pickleballers are there out there? All right. Well, she was there just visiting, and she was talking to me about what a wonderful ministry opportunity pickleball has been for her. And she looked at me in all sincerity, and she said, you know, I'm in a stage in my life where I don't want to waste one more minute doing something that has no eternal value. In the United States, the average life expectancy is about 80 years. Think about it. How many do we have left? Now, you guys, I don't want to hear from you, but 
the rest of us over here, I can see the finish line. We're in the fourth quarter. We're in the two-minute countdown. Whether Jesus comes back or whether we're called home, most of us are past the halfway mark. What have we stored up in heaven? What do our works look like? I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want to be smelling like smoke. And I don't want that bonfire so big that the precious jewels are never noticed. I want to dedicate my life this moment to live for him. (coughs) So this brings us to the question, why heaven? Why is there a heaven? You know, in Ephesians it talks about the fact that God, before eternity, before any creation, predestined us to be with him. Before there was anything, God knew us, he designed us for one purpose, to be the object of his love. He created us in his image and he says to Adam, it's not good for man to be alone because it was God's heart not to be alone. God's heart is to be a father. God's heart is for us to be his children. It says in in John that Jesus came to give us the right to become children of God. For those who receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. In heaven, there are multitudes upon multitudes of angels, but none of them call him Abba. None of them are his children. None of them are surrounded in his wings like Jesus wanted to gather him and flock under his wings. That's what he's reserved for us. He created the entire universe, the earth, all its inhabitants. He suffered, died, bled, was scourged, had a crown of thorns put on his head, was spit on and denied for one purpose, and that's us. Because he loves us. Because he wants to share all of his goodness with us. Jesus came not just to rescue us from hell. He came for us to bring us into heaven. To be a family eternally. To give us life eternal. That was his primary goal. We get to be his kids. We get to bask in his goodness. God's dwelling pace is now among his people. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them. And there he will be their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the order of things has passed away. This is what we're looking forward to. This is what is our inheritance, if we know him and we've been called according to his purpose. Now, I often think of heaven when I was a kid, that it was kind of like there's all these people around and there's one God and he's sitting on a throne and it's kind of like going to see Santa Claus once a year. You know, you get on his lap, he says, have you been naughty or nice? Well, this is heaven, so I've been nice. And then you get your three minutes and you're, you're off and you're gone and you get to wait in line again. God is not bound by time or space. He will commune with us daily. Through the Holy Spirit, we also get to speak with God daily here on this earth. But imagine him face to face, eye to eye, heart to heart, forever. We get to walk with our Savior, every one of us individually. He's never too busy for us. And he can begin for eternity to show us truly who we are and who he created us to be. 
I love this from 1 Corinthians, and it says, For now we see only a reflection, as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. We're going to know God. And we're going to know who we are in Him. One of my favorite parts of the Bible comes in Revelation. And it says, To the one who is victorious... I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. All of us have a name in this earth. Maybe a name our parents gave us. Maybe names that the enemy has called us. I've spent my whole life trying to find out who I am, why I'm here, listening to the opinions of others, listening to what my parents had to say, or society, or church, or whatever. There is a moment, an intimate moment, where we'll sit eye to eye with Jesus, and he's going to hand you a stone with your name on it. Now, a stone, a name, speaks to identity. It speaks to purpose. This is when Jesus says to you, this is who you are. This is who I created you to be. This is what I had in mind before there was anything. This is what I had in mind when I knit you together in your mother's womb. This is what I had in mind when I came into your heart through the Holy Spirit, when you became my child. But it wasn't yet. It wasn't yet. It wasn't yet. It's now, and this is who you are. This is your destiny. This is your purpose. This is who you will be forever, my child. So today, as we ponder heaven, as we try to imagine the unimaginable, I want you to have a peace, to know that whatever joys or pains we experience here, that God has immeasurably more than we can ask or think or imagine, and that one day, one day, I don't know when, could be today, one day, you'll know truly who you are. Thank you. Chris is going to do that.